0: Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. On tonight's program, I've asked my two fund managers, Julia Lee of Berman Invest and June Baylu Lu of Tribeca Alpha Plus Fund to tell us the latest stock or stocks that they've added to their portfolio. You know, these must be stocks that they think really have some upside. So we'll find out what they're investing in right now. And we'll also drill down into the way that they actually invest. What is the way that has worked for them in their particular funds? And then Paul Ricard is going to look at Westpac. Now, Westpac's share price has fallen recently. And I really believe this is a 20% plus stock waiting to happen. It might take a year, might take a bit longer than that. But even if it took two years, you'd be making at least 10% per annum. But I think the the rebound for Westpac will be quicker. I'll see if Paul rickard agrees with me and we'll also look at the Westpac buyback which is coming up uh, pretty soon. So without any further ado, let's kick off with Julia Lee of Berman Invest. Thanks for coming to the program, Julian.
1: Great to be here, Pete.
0: Okay, so I threw a, a bit of a challenge to you, you know, in an earlier email today. I said to you, like, you know, what have been the recent uh, stock or stocks you've added to the fund, and why have you done that?
1: Sure. Um, the most recent one that we've added is actually Ramsey Healthcare. Um, now Ramsey Healthcare Share Price has been coming under pressure. And Mm -hmm. the thing that I like to ask myself when we do see news coming out is is this something that's going to impact on the company indefinitely or for a long period of time, or is it a once-off? And what we saw was Ramsey's revenue in the first quarter coming under pressure because of COVID-19. Now, Ramsey Healthcare operates hospitals and elective surgeries were under pressure in the First quarter of the year, because of course New South Wales was in lockdown and Victoria was starting to go into lockdown as well. Now we'll probably still see an impact of those lockdowns, especially Victoria, in the second quarter. But come 2022, we should see those elective surgeries bouncing back. So um, Ramsey Healthcare is one that we've added because we think that the outlook is improving and will be much better in 2022. Given that you know some of these surgeries you can't really put off forever, and if you have a look at the way Waiting lists, they keep on blowing out longer and longer.
0: Yeah. Now I know you always do your homework and you wouldn't just necessarily buy a stock because one part of the story is good. Uh, and, and some people often raise question marks about Ramsey's international business. You know, you got they're in France, aren't they? And they're in are they in Malaysia as well? I think they're in a number of interesting countries.
1: I'm glad you brought that up, Pete. So uh, they're they're involved in the UK, France, as well as in Australia. So in Australia, we're expecting to see volumes bouncing back very strongly. Now, over in the UK, they've also been impacted by the COVID-19 situation. But if you have a look at the National Health Service um, waiting lists, they're actually quite long now. So we have seen the queuing up of surgeries happening over in the UK. So that bodes well for the medium term. France is a bit of a different story, Pete. Um, What we are seeing is short shortages in nurses. And you know that when we do see COVID-19 cases increasing, the frontline staff are at risk. And if they get sick, then they go into isolation or they're they're short-staffed. And that's really what we're seeing in France. But given that they're that that we are fighting uh, COVID-19 two ways now, not only through vaccinations, but also the the Pfizer antiviral pill, it looks like will be a game changer as well. It does look like um, sort of the lockdowns, uh, hopefully these are the last of the lockdowns that we're seeing at the moment, um, and we will have better ways to combat COVID-19 if um, you're unlucky enough to get it. So look, three key places that we're watching, Australia, the UK and France, Australia as well as the UK the outlook looking positive. France, we're just keeping a close eye on because of the shortages in nurses.
0: Okay. All right, so there's one stock. Is there a second one you've added recently that I can squeeze out of you?
1: <laughs> it's annual general meeting season at the moment. And the reason why I like AGM season is because it gives you an idea on which sectors as well as industries are doing well at the moment. So this AGM season, what we have seen is some of the media companies doing quite well. And we've also seen the agricultural space doing well as well. And today we heard from Instatech Pivot. You know that. Um, we've agree. been a big fan That's of Instatech Pivot. i um, so yeah. We did lighten some of our intertech pivot, and instead we picked up um, some some more new farm shares. They're due to report on the 17th of November, so expecting to see another positive result there. And Orica shares were sold off and they're coming up to a dividend as well. So, look, we've just been topping up some positions and moving things around a little bit. Um, And, look, AGM season's a great one to find out which companies are seeing that improving outlook and which ones aren't and just chopping and changing a little bit.
0: Okay, now... Your old boss, Paul Rickard, says, you know, I say, she often says, you yeah, know, what, what is Julia like right now? Uh, so she likes this. And he's like, yeah, but she's a momentum investor. Is that, A, is that true? And B, if it is true, explain to my uh, viewers what that means to be a momentum investor.
1: Sure. Um, I'm a big fan of reading academic studies and having a look at what's worked through time. And really, there there are a number of effects where you can get an edge in the market. Um, One of that is through fundamental investing. And the fundamental part of the investing um, means that you're seeing that earnings growth coming through. And then on the technical side, there's been studies done on momentum that it tends to outperform the market over time. But rather than using one or the other, and certainly a lot of uh, fundamental analysts getting arguments with technical analysts and vice versa, the academic studies have shown actually combining the two actually gives a much more powerful signal. So not only do I like to see an improving outlook and improving earnings outlook from companies on the fundamental side and looking at the underlying business, but then on the technical side, I like to see the price action backing it up as well. So generally I like to see the two moving in tandem. At times things get way too out of whack and too cheap to resist Um, but generally our philosophy is around improving outlooks together with that share price rising because that gives a much stronger signal than just one or the other.
0: I particularly like it when you like a stock and Mike Gable's charts are saying yeah, you should like this stock. That made, always makes me feel really confident. Totally agree with that that combination approach. And I guess one, one last question, uh, Julia. You know, um, when you, you look um, at, say, a company like Mesoblast, when you got onto that, uh, it was really on the way up. So you, you read that, I, I guess, the momentum was really for the stock. It's had a terrible run. I believe it had a, a reasonable lift today. Have you been able to read the reasons why the lift today
1: yes so mesoblast blast has been one of um, my absolute disasters and the reason why we got into the stock when we did was that you know when you're looking at a biotech there's a long pretty much decades of research that goes in before you get to the point of commercialization where the dollars start to flow in so with miso blast, you know it, it had this had a number of different stem cell products that it was looking at. Um, And it was in these phase one, phase two trials, which can go on for a number of years. But the reason why we got into the stock was there were three key products coming up to a, completion of a phase three, so looking at potential FDA approval and commercialization. Um, and, look, I thought the chances were that um, one of them would get through it, but in fact three of them all fell down. Um, so, unfortunately, we exited that one, so it looked like a longer stage of more development and phase three trials for, for MESA blast. I think today uh, there wasn't any new information around its products or the efficiency of its products products. Um, it was more around uh, presenting at a major conference around its uh, heart failure results which gave the shares a bit of a boost. So the shares did uh, rise more than 10% on the market today but really when you're looking at biotech that are in phase one, phase two, phase three, it's a long, long time before you usually see commercialization and profitability coming through the door, if at all. So I get pretty excited when companies get to that phase three, FDA approval and commercialization. And, you know, we thought mesoblast would get one in the bag, but unfortunately, all three fell down.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you use a word, use words like heart failure when it comes to mesoblast because a lot of stockholders have had heart failure <laughs> with the movement of the share price. Julia Lee, thanks for joining us on the program.
1: Thanks, Pete.
0: Joining me now is June Lu of Tribeca Alpha Plus Fund. How are you, June Lu?
2: I am very good. How are you, Peter?
0: I'm very good too. But before I start asking you about your latest acquisitions, What's your feeling about the stock market? Now, I keep getting people who are getting a little bit spooked about inflation in the US and they, they look at the US stock market in particular, which has nearly gone vertical in, in probably, I guess, recent weeks. What's your feeling? Do you think we're going to keep on creeping higher in the stock market?
2: Look, I think for the Australian market, absolutely, because underlying um, economic data and everything looks pretty good. Um, And if you look at the share market performance, like you said, we haven't gone the hockey stick like the US market. Certainly the US market underpinned by the strong tech sector has done very, very well. And for that market, certainly look like, you know, there's some air pocket for certain sectors. Um, But for the Australian market, things look pretty good. And our consumers strong, corporate earnings strong. Um, Heading to Christmas, it looks like we'll have a pretty good. Christmas as well. So, um, you know, everything looks pretty good at this point.
0: I love that kind of talk June you. And of course, you're very objective. you are never ever just supersonically positive.
2: <laughs> Look, I'm objective. And I can tell you, I'm very positive to share markets <laughs> at
0: the yeah. moment. I'm totally with you on that subject. <laughs> All right. Now, um, can you talk to us about any stocks or stock or stocks that you've recently added and tell us what the thinking was behind them.
2: Absolutely. Look, I think the at the moment, the share market is fantastic for uh, disciplined investors and investors who um, have longer term, um, you know, investment horizon to take advantage of short term share price weakness, because we've seen those all the time. And more recently, um, you know, actually just add it on the side to the investor who's um, not tied themselves to value or growth, investor who's willing to buy, you know, any stock if they're too cheap, right? So um, this is how we see where the opportunity is. So more recently, we saw a couple of share price uh, quality company share price has fallen a lot and what do we do we take advantage of those um those opportunity one is um a2 now a2 um you know share, share price gone through um you know to the hell and back and uh, you know things were looking pretty tough because of the destocking in china and uh, you know all these sort of issues and closed borders so no one can really buy uh you know, the infant formula there in China. Um, and but more recent update has shown that things have stabilised. Um, and a lot of those channels, the English uh, label that's been selling, actually been selling pretty good. Um, and while the border is still closed for the uh, channel to ship a lot of their uh, infant formula, but look, that's eventually it's going to open. So all in all together, we're seeing the share prices really reflect the bottom in the, sh- um, you know, in, in the, sort of worst condition you can expect. Um, and it's only gonna get better from here. Most recent update, um, we, despite having good, positive green shoots, the share price went down and we took advantage of it. We just started buying this company and we think uh, it would deliver very good return. Now so, another, company.
0: yeah. Uh, so, so what you're seeing there is, and I think if you look at the charts, it feels like it's building a base around these levels. And that's the reason why you got in. And, and I guess, as you say, you don't mind buying a stock that's down uh, in the short term because in the long term, you think you'll be paid, paid back.
2: That's right. And also, as long as when share price gets sold off, it's important to step back and look at what's changed about that company. So you ask yourself the question of, is it still a quality company? Does it still have a brand? Um, You know, anything that's impacting the earning near term, is it going to be structural or is it short-term? And when you answer all of these questions, you know, you look at A2, you really realize that it's just a short-term disruption. Uh, Nothing's really changed about this company over the long run and the balance sheet is in a good shape it's not about to run out of money, um, and it's got hundreds of billions, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars sitting on the balance sheet. So that's very unusual for share price to be this low. Um, so you know, so this is when you realise it's a good opportunity. Don't need to uh, worry about when share price will bounce back because it will.
0: Okay, let's go to your next stock that you, you're mad keen to, to tell us about.
2: <laughs> Look, at, there, there's quite a lot of them, but I'll take example of another one which is zero recently. You know, reported this result. Look, zero has performed very well in terms of share price, um, and it sort of rallied into the recent result. Now, result came through uh, on the profit line was pretty good, um, but um, you know, it's the revenue line is somewhat weaker. But remember, this uh, the result is very backward looking, and and zero is a company that uh, its earning actually has been impacted by the disruption or the shutdown. Um, for its uh, small, medium-sized businesses, customers. So, you know, the, the backward-looking nature just means that, yes, COVID-19 has had an impact on this business, and it's, um, you know, the uh, the Delta variant has imp- had the impact. But going forward, things are actually looking very, very strong. Pipeline strong. Things are looking very good. So, you know, share price, I think, was down 7% on the day. Um, clearly, it was an overreaction. Um, and, you know, we just took opportunity to take advantage of this. steel quality company. Growth is still to come. Shorter earnings miss because of the disruption short-term disruption and um you know the story is still intact
0: Mm, so you you, you shouted for joy when the share price uh, fell you know buying opportunity buying opportunity
2: absolutely you do that and uh and i guess another company you you let me talk i'll just keep going so another one all right so another one it's a quick one it's easy so this is domino pizza so yeah. share price down twenty percent um, on 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 the back of the update. And now this before the twenty percent share price actually has already fallen fifteen um, you know fifteen percent or so. So it's down from peak thirty to forty percent um, on the basis that uh, you know the Japan is growing a little bit slower. Um, but still, regardless, the structural growth for this business is still intact. Um, so um, you know honestly, there's not that much has changed about that company um, with its update and before for its update. So, um, you know, and since then, the share price has come off nicely, uh, sorry, come back nicely from the bottom. But this is when you need to just to be sort of, you know, not to be worried about the noise, the short term noise, um, you know, from everyone in the market.
0: So, so the picture you've painted, Jim Lu this is what you've given me. I see someone sitting at a desk, doing their zero, their, 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 their books on their business using zero. They're eating pizza and they're washing it down with A2 milk.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And that will make you good money over the next 12 months.
0: <laughs> okay. Is there, is there one other stock? You said you've got heaps. I'll push you for one more because you, you seem to be on a fantastic roll. What's your, What's your last and final stock?
2: okay this stock actually been buying for quite some time but even though the share price come back a little bit but still there's a long way to go that is, is seek um it's just the underlying momentum for the business is so strong and uh, the job its job ads index is up um something like a 40 50 on la- on last year um and oh, this is just the volume and not to mention there's. Pricing lever coming through for this company. Um, you know this company has underperformed other its other real estate or not real estate other classified peers uh, in the last six to twelve months. So it is well on track to outperform. And in its uh, in its next update, um, the, it, the, the earnings is going to be very very strong.
0: Okay. So in a nutshell, if you if someone said to you, Jimbo Lu, tell me what your investment strategy is. In a nutshell, what is it?
2: Find quality companies that have has sustainable franchise and sustainable competitive advantage, um, and it's stress tested and it has something very unique for its customers. And wait, uh, and then wait for the opportunity for the share price to come back to you. And when it does, don't um, don't be afraid and do jump in and just buy them.
0: But as the old saying goes, buy them with your ears pinned back. That's right. (laughs) Jim Baylou, Tribeca Alpha Plus, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you very much, Peter.
0: Well, up now is Paul Rickard of The Switzer Report. We want to concentrate on Westpac at a time when a buyback has been announced but I'm really curious. I, I think potentially Westpac could be an easy 20% uh, to, to make with the stock. But we'll just see if Paul agrees with me. Paul, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, Peter. Let, let's just start with the, the more interesting bit. We'll finish off the buyback later. That's for, for other people who some people will make a lot of money out of this buyback, but let's concentrate on whether Westpac is really a buy. Its share price has fallen recently, um, down about $4 from where it was at its height most recently. And I figure if this company can get back to where it was, that's about a 17% gain, and then you throw in dividends and stuff like that, that's over 20%. But my question to you, is it likely, is it possible, this company could impress the market over the next year or so?
3: I think Peter is certainly the cheapest of the four banks going around. And uh, if they can get their act together then over the next couple of years, uh, I think that sort of upside is possible. Mm. I mean, the market was probably a little hard on Westpac because maybe it expected that most of the bad news was out. And what we saw was that there was some good work on volumes. In other words, they'd grown their um, home lending book quite impressively, but it looked like they'd had to trade off price uh, to do so, and they're quite negative in terms of warning about the future margin going forward. So they actually implied it would get a bit tougher first. Mm. Uh, also, you know, Westpac, the other thing that's been uh, intimated quite strongly is they're going to really do sort of deep surgery on their cost base over the next three years, Peter. And, in fact, in this half, uh, costs went up. Now, that's not, I'm not talking about compliance costs here. I'm talking about the so-called business-as-usual costs, right, the BAU costs. Uh, and they went up as well. So the sort of promise to sort of slash sort of $5 billion from their cost base back to $8 billion is just looking even harder. So we've got to take it on face value and saying that they're going to get their act together. And, and so I don't think you're going to see a lot of short-term recovery, but if you to take a 12-months 12 to 24-months 12, 12 view, you've got to say there's more potential with Westpac and they've got the most opportunity uh, to sort of regain the mantle uh, in the banking space.
0: Yeah, because it seems to me, in my, in my most optimistic um, inclination, I said one year, but I guess even if it takes two years to get back to where it was, that would be, you know, you get another year of dividends. You might be talking 25% over a two-year period, still with a, a very good business, albeit it's having short-term problems. 12.5% gain, not bad when you're investing in a quality company.
3: Yeah, and, look, and this buyback will help as well. So look, I don't think it was as bad as the market took it to be. Maybe the market was expecting too much. Mm. Um, but we do get a what we call mean reversion. That is, the banks, you know, it's, it's an oligopolistic market, right? It's very hard to win market share. They've all got pretty well the same strategy. CBA, of course, is the, is the leader in both execution and technology, And the other three banks are largely in a bracket together there's not that much difference Peter so when you get a big sell-off in one and the other two don't move you've got to say there's probably more opportunity so I don't think I'm a seller of Westpac at the moment I think there's more upside but it's just going to take a little while because clearly you know the market was shocked by the report at least many in the market were shocked by it probably as I said expecting too much too soon Uh, And and they didn't deliver. So that's why we've seen the share price come off so much. What
0: have they done done with their BT asset, Paul?
3: Well, that's still uh, not clear, Peter. So they still own BT Panorama, which, of course, is a major investment platform, put a lot of money into that. Um, And when they last commented on this, it was allegedly going to be for sale, but uh, that hasn't materialised. So they still have a policy to try to divest of what they call their non-core assets. And and, uh, we're not really sure where you know, things like BT Panorama uh, and their sort of whole wealth platform sits at the moment.
0: Okay. Let's go to the buyback. Um, explain to the audience why they might be doing a buyback and who should really be interested in it.
3: Well, it's a really interesting buyback, Peter, because um, it's actually the first one where you've actually got to think a little bit about whether you should accept, and I'll come to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a $3.5 billion off market share buyback. And the reason they're doing it, Peter, is like all the banks, they've got too much capital. So late, you know, when we went COVID hit, they all went out and made many of the banks uh, they had, made, they had took huge provisions for the impact of COVID. Uh, we all expected, you know, the banking industry to come under considerable pressure. That hasn't eventuated. Uh, capital reserves have built up. Uh, there's been some other changes and some regulatory changes, and, and all the four of the major banks um, have conducted buybacks or, or done off on-market transactions. So all the banks have too much capital, much more than, than they needed to, and so they're returning some of that to shareholders. Like the CBA, Westpac has um, surplus freight credits, so it's able to do what's called off-market share buyback. And that's particularly attractive to, in most cases, to so-called zero-rate or low-rate taxpayers. It's essentially a tax transaction, Peter, where you get a lot of the proceeds back as a fully franked dividend, and that makes it really attractive. And so um, they're able to do that, and in doing so, they buy back the shares at a cheaper price than they could have if they did the buyback on market. So that's that's the advantage of an off-market buyback. CBA has done one. Westpac is also doing an off-market buyback. They've got lots of franking credits, whereas ANZ and National Australia Bank, they're doing their buybacks on market.
0: Yeah. Now, you've said in the past, say for CBA, it was a no-brainer for someone who's a retiree in a super fund and possibly someone who's uh, owns a CBA in a super fund yep. in accumulation mode where they're paying 15% tax. What's the deal with Westpac? Is it, is it a no-brainer for the, the super
3: fund retiree? It's almost a no-brainer. The difference of Westpac between the Westpac and the CBA and Woolworths buybacks, Peter, is that in, in the case of, of both CBA and Woolworths, they had a very low capital component and a very large, fully frank dividend. And in Westpac's case, it has have quite a high capital component and quite a small, fully frank dividend. And furthermore... Westpac's share price has fallen (laughs) since the buyback was announced. It's fallen by, you know, it was up around $27. It's now about $23, right? And so um, because the capital component is fixed, each time the share price falls, the actual dividend gets smaller and smaller. So it's not as attractive as the other buybacks at the so-called 14% discount. So um, I don't think this is going to go at a 14% discount. For a 0% taxpayer, uh, I reckon it's probably going to be close to about a 10% discount. So it'll still be a good transaction to do, but I don't think it's a matter of just saying, look, I'm in it and in it to win it. I think you've got to think about the discount or hope the market will be a little more um, discerning. For um, self-managed super funds in the accumulation phase, that's where money's still going into the super fund, Mm -hmm. they're going to have to think really hard about participating. And for everyone else, it's almost a waste of time. So this is one you actually have to crunch the numbers at or go to something like the Switzer Report where I've crunched the numbers uh, and think a little more about how you actually tender. So um, a little different to the um, the types of off-market buybacks we've had recently from both the Commonwealth Bank and from Woolworths.
0: Okay. Okay, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. And just before you go, I just thought about, you know, when it comes to the Switzer Report, yeah, and, and there was a story out today in the newspapers that you know, Generation Z, nearly 50% of them really want to uh, invest in the market. Um, 42% of uh, uh, millennials, Gen Y, they're really keen on uh, playing the market as well. But the big concern from the industry is that they're often using unreliable advice. It's like basically they're, they're it's like looking for a tip at the races and go off and putting their money on. Um, if they want to get more information, clearly that's what the Swiss report's designed for. We we go into, into depth on why you might want to buy or sell stocks. For, for, for most people, is it going to be a, a tax-deductible
3: outlay, pool? Yeah, for, for most people, it's going to be tax-deductible. You raise an interesting point there about advice because um, you know, typically when you see a financial planner and you pay upfront, that's not tax-deductible. <laughs> Of the ongoing service is tax deductible. Yeah. I can't I really work that one out, but that's the rule. Uh, and so for a subscription for something like the, uh, the Switzer Report, that will be tax deductible if you can use the tax deduction. So um, that's the general rule. And um, for people who pay paying tax uh, and want to get some ongoing, well, what do you think bringing financial information, Peter, I think is how the way we describe it, because we don't know enough about your circumstances. But uh, look, that should be... Uh, for those sort of people should be
0: tax deductible. Yeah, and all the people who write effectively are investors themselves. So they've got skin in the game. They're not just basically producing a a report and maybe even a a payment for getting people to go and buy the stock. That's not what we're into. And I worry that some people are actually being uh, induced to buy stuff and, and the people who are doing the inducements are actually getting a payment for it.
3: Yeah, like I can assure you, we don't do that. And that would be, we're uh, in <laughs> none of those arrangements. So uh, that's one of the things the Royal Commission got stuck into, as you know, Peter. So uh, we'll never operate on that basis.
0: Exactly right. So thanks for joining us, Paul. Thanks, Peter. And if you want to know more about the Switzer Report, go to switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you on Thursday night.